0: We're so glad you're here. We are starting a brand new series called Age of Rage, and we're going to be looking at God's Word about this uh, whole issue of anger, anger in our lives. The other day, uh, my wife, Hope, and uh, my daughter, Trinity, and I were coming out of our neighborhood here in Saginaw. We came up to a stop sign, and uh, on the other side of the road, there was this two-way stop. There was a lady who came up to the stop sign at the same time that we did, uh, and uh, I uh, I uh, stopped there. She stopped, and uh, I don't know what happened. But the, there was, I noticed on the on the street that was going between us a car that was coming incredibly fast. I mean, it was really fast, especially for residential area. I don't know how fast he was going, but it was really dangerous. And uh, I don't I saw the car. I don't know what happened with the lady who was across the street from us, who was also at the stop sign. I don't know if she didn't see him or it just she misjudged his. Uh, his speed while he was coming or whatever, but she pulled out in front of him, okay? All right, be honest. How many of you have accidentally pulled out in front of somebody? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Okay. How many of you have had someone pull out in front of you and it's ticked you off? Be honest, right? All right. I feel the tension in the room. We're going to have reconciliation counselors for all of you people today. Those of you who just raised your hands about being pulled out in front of, you're like, how about we get some driving lessons for the people who raised their hands before, (laughs) right? I know you're probably thinking that, aren't you, right? But anyhow, we come up to this stop sign. I, I guess she just made a mistake. We all make mistakes, right? She pulls out in front of this guy. I don't know how he doesn't hit her. He slams his brakes on, I mean, comes right up on her bumper and, uh, and, and then we go ahead and pull out because we're going in the same direction there. And she's then going slow, which I think is infuriating him even more. Okay. So what does he do? He pulls around her illegally in the no passing lane right there. I mean, it's really dangerous. This whole thing got dangerous really fast. Pulls around. I'm thinking while he's going by, there might have been some gestures that were going on. I'm just saying. I was looking to see if there were any EVC bumper stickers in front of me. <laughs> I'm watching you. I'm just saying, all right? Be careful if you have a sticker on your car. But I didn't see that, okay? Well, he whips around her, telling her she's number one and all this stuff, okay? And uh, speeds up. Well, then, this is, she speeds up now. Catches up with her. I sped up a little bit, okay? Uh, Just because my wife, Hope, told me to. And uh, is she in here? I just made a woman angry, I'm just telling you right now, all right? So we're, we're watching all this going down, really, we're going in the same direction as them. She speeds up, gets alongside him down at the next stoplight, windows come down, gestures are going, I mean, people are, are, are yelling at each other, they are having at it, okay? And we're behind them, and I'm just kind of like, at this point, we are kind of hanging back, and uh, I don't know what was going to happen. She pulls around him illegally, gets on the road, well, then there he goes, right after her. And then he gets in front of her, slams brakes on. She, I mean, they're going back and forth doing this, and I am hoping it's not church members or whatever. You know, finally they get down to uh, another stoplight, and they're going back and forth. I'm telling you, going back for road rage at its best. I told Hope, I said, we might need to call the police. I think this is about to get really, really bad. And uh, at that point, he turns off left. She turns off to the right. Rage, anger elevation right have you been there have you felt that i mean we all can easily get to that place before you know it you're just going about your business the next thing you know this this boiling anger just erupts within us over the next few weeks i'm really excited about this series We're going to be looking in God's word. What does God's word have to say to us about anger? It's such a common emotion. We all experience it. We all were created with it, okay? It's something that courses through our veins. If you've not gotten angry about something, you don't have a pulse. We all get angry about certain things. Some of us get a little easily angered, okay? And we'll look at that. Uh, we're going to see what God has to say about anger. Maybe maybe this week, I'm just curious. Maybe you got angry about something this week, all right? Be honest. How many of you got angry about something this week? I want to tell you right now, as I was getting this message ready today, I felt like God was testing me every single day this week. It was hilarious. I'd start getting mad, and then i remember what I was preaching on, and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to give any other sermon illustrations, okay? And so I'd get mad, and then I'd be like, oh, I... I know what's going on, okay, all right, I'm being tested a little bit here. How many of you, maybe, you even got mad this morning, you've already been mad this morning, be honest, be honest, maybe I described you driving and that was your encounter on your way to church, okay, I don't know, maybe you fought with your wife or your husband on the way to church, maybe you fought with your kids, maybe you got in, you pulled into the parking lot, you've been fighting the whole way and then what do we know how to do? Hello, brother, <laughs> hello, sister, right? We want to call that out today because here's what needs to happen in all of our lives. We have to get honest about this, right? If God is ever going to do a work in our lives, we want to get honest about it and ask God to, uh, you know, just to do a work in our lives. Some of you, I've asked you to raise your hand. Some of you are still thinking about whooping me from last week from the question that I asked, right? I still can't get over my mother raising her hand. I don't know what happened there. But seriously, though, anger is an emotion That if it is left unchecked in your life, right? We're all going to have it. But if it's left unchecked in your life and without self-control in this area, it can absolutely destroy your life, right? It can ruin your relationships. I mean, when it's out of control, it can affect your health, your physical health. You can have you can have all kinds of physical problems because you have an out of control anger issue. It can affect your your emotional health, okay? It can affect your spiritual health. You'll you'll find that if your anger's out of control, I'm not saying if you get angry, okay? I'm saying if it's mismanaged, if it's out of control, your relationship with God will be affected. It is going to have a certain consequence in your life. Maybe some of you are just struggling with some impulsive decisions made in anger that you're still dealing with today. I guarantee you in every single service, including myself, I could raise my hand on this, we all carry regrets probably in our lives from some impulsive act we, we had or impulsive word we spoke in anger or whatever. We all probably carry regrets in our lives because we didn't manage it at some point. And maybe we're still dealing with some of the consequences of that, right? I mean, if I asked you to raise your hands, probably a lot of folks would raise their hands. I can. I mean, I know that I've made some really bad decisions in anger when it got out of control in my life. Well, God's word has been given to us. Folks, it's been given to us to help us, right? This is for you. This is a gift to you. It's a gift to me from the Lord. He's, been, he's given this to us. He's given wisdom. He's given us wisdom on how to live. But what God's word also does for us is it brings correction in our life. And that is a gift from God, right? A, a godly parent loves their child. And when they see that something's not right, They don't just punish them just to be mean. They bring discipline and correction into their life. Why? What is your motivation when you do that? It's because you love them. Well, we're going to invite God to bring some correction into our lives because here's what I know. God loves us. That's his motive. When he speaks truth into our lives, his motive is always love because God is love. He's wanting you to experience fullness of life that he made you to have A lot of times we don't experience the fullness of the joy and the fullness of the life that God created us to have because we short circuit God's plan for our life by bad decisions, by, by not living in the manner in which he lives. So Proverbs 25, I'm just going to rattle off a few passages to you. Write these down, look them up later. But we're going to really look in the book of Genesis today, chapter 4. Start turning there with me. We're also going to look, keep your finger in Genesis, and we're also going to look in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. That's where we're going to go today, okay? But listen to what this passage here says about how it can wreck your life whenever you don't have control. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight the the uh, the in the book of wisdom it says a person without self control I want you to read the next part with me out loud say it with me what does it say it is like a city with broken down walls we've learned about walls in uh, in Jerusalem when we studied the book of Nehemiah walls were a defense mechanism to keep enemies out to protect. But when you live a life that's out of control and you're not managing this area in your life, it says your walls are down. We have a spiritual enemy and his name is Satan. And he loves to wreck our lives. He loves to destroy our lives. And when you choose to live and and not exercise control in these areas in your life and you're just kind of a loose cannon, your walls are down. And you're just saying, come on in. And then we're going to read about this in the coming weeks in Ephesians 4. When we do that, we give the devil a foothold in our life. He gets a grip in your life. And the next thing you know, rather than you managing your life, you are are being managed by something else in your life. It's controlling you. I love what James says about this where he's talking about having legitimate faith. Write this one down and look it up a little later. By the way, we'll study this more in the coming weeks, okay? I'm just giving you a little introduction here. Uh, in James chapter 1, verse 19, James writes this. He says, understand this, understand this, my dear, what does he say next? Brothers and sisters, whenever he says that, who does that mean he's talking to? Christians, right? Christians don't have anger problems. Are you kidding me? Pastors don't have anger problems. Are you kidding me? Ask my family, right? I struggle. You struggle. He's saying, brothers and sisters, he's talking about our faith, okay? And then he says this, you must all be, let's say it together, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. What does God want in your life? He wants you to have a full life, a good life, a a powerful life. But when you are managed and controlled by this and you do the opposite of this, where you're quick to speak, you're quick to become angry, you do these kinds of things instead, he's saying right there, that's not producing the kind of life that God has for you, all right? So if you're wanting to grow in your faith, if you want to have healthy relationships, who doesn't want that? If you want to experience that in your life, notice he says this area of anger can't be out of control in your life. He didn't say, look here, he didn't say you won't get angry. He didn't say you can't get angry. What does he say? Go about it slowly. Measured. You need to to slow down. What is is the word that that would kind of describe that? Here's a word for you. This isn't in your notes on the screen, but you can write it down. Here's what it is. Controlled. There's some control there. There's self-control that you experience. By the way... Self-control is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. Okay, so if this is absent, this fruit is absent from our life, Paul's going to talk about this as well as we're going to look in Ephesians in a minute. Here's what he's saying. You, you've got you've to yield to the Holy Spirit of God in your life. The Holy Spirit can, can do this in your life. You can't do it, but the Holy Spirit can as you yield to it. So we're going to dig in over the next few weeks. I hope you'll be here every single week. We're going to get honest with God because if you don't get honest with God, there's really no point in you coming. You might as well just be here and just say, okay, God, here's what I really want. God, I really want you to do a work in me. I don't want to just come through another series. I don't want to just come through the motions of going to church. I, we don't want to do that. We don't want to waste our time. Let's let's roll up our sleeves and say, God, okay, I want to get real with you about this. Will you shine your spotlight on my soul? Will you show me some areas that need work, God? Will you, will you begin to do your work so to look with me in genesis 4 and in ephesians 4 and while you're turning there here's what i felt led to do in the first service i want to do it with you right now i want us to pause right now and i want us just to do business with god and will you welcome him into your into your life right now to do his work can we just pray to him right now about that let's just do this right now as we humble our hearts before him just still yourself before the lord Would you just begin to ask him to speak into your life? Just say, Lord, I just need your truth. I want your truth. Would you you give me the courage to face some truth? Maybe if I don't even like what I see. Because I have some hope in knowing that if if you're showing it to me, Lord, you have the power to do a work and to bring change in my life. And I'm going to welcome that today. Father, we welcome that today. As we start this series, would you begin to do your healing? Because I know that there, there's a lot of wounds today, and that's why a lot of people are angry is because there are unresolved wounds, that just wounds in our lives that haven't been dealt with. Would you begin to show us what those are so that we can do business with you, Lord? Would you bring not only your healing, God, but would you bring correction, your loving work in our life? I thank you for the, dis- the, the, the discipline you bring. Would you just thank God for the discipline he brings? Discipline is so much different than punishment because it's motivated by love, right? Would you bring your discipline into my life? Where we are wrong, this is our prayer, where we are wrong, God, would you teach us? Would you show us your ways from your word? We are humbly approaching you and your word today, seeking insight in an area that if we are all honest, we can struggle with from time to time. Father, I know there are some that are here this morning that this particular area of anger, this area of rage has caused devastation in their lives. For some of them, they still carry that wound because of maybe that devastation that happened. Maybe they've had a relationship wrecked. Would you just bring your loving hand of discipline and wisdom into our lives and help us to become more like you, Lord Jesus? Would you bring healing to our souls today where we're wounded and carry a wounded spirit which has produced an angry heart or an angry disposition? And Father, I humbly ask that you would forgive me for my sin where I have failed in this area in my life. I, I confess my sin before my brothers and sisters today that this has been an area in my life where I've had a lot of failures And God, is an area that I carry some regrets and I still need great growth in my life. We are on this road and on this journey together. We humbly ask you for your help, for your peace and your love to replace any unresolved anger, rage or bitterness in our lives. Would you help us get to the root of it today and on to the path of healing? And it's in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said, amen. I really think it's important that we stop and pray. And we ask him, help us, okay? Help us. All right, I'm gonna give you some observations before we get into the passages of scripture here in a minute. Actually, you know, we're gonna go right into Ephesians, okay? But here's the first thing to write down. Something as an observation is this. Not all anger is sinful, okay? Not all anger is sinful. So write that down and let me explain it to you. And actually, Paul's gonna explain it to us. In the book of Ephesians, chapter four, verse 21 Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, and I want you to just imagine he's writing this letter to you. He says, since you have heard about Jesus, you now have the gospel. Amen, right? You know Jesus. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, now he's going to give you some actions. Now his part was his saving grace, When you believed in faith, now he indwells you. But you partner with God in some growth in your life. What does he say to do? Throw off. That is an action you take. You partner with God in faith. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, he says... Let the Spirit of God, and I want us to just note right now, it is the Holy Spirit of God that makes it possible for all this change to happen in our lives. I do not have it in and of myself. I am a wretched man. I am a corrupt individual because of sin. Okay? I need His grace and His forgiveness. Through His power, though, I can start to change. He brings change in me, okay, and in you. And so he says, instead, let, which means you yield. You're yielding to the spirit. Let the spirit renew your what? Your mind, your thoughts. And when you do that, and renew your attitudes, the way you act, your actions, okay? Now, here's what he calls us to do. You throw all that off, and then you put on your new nature. Created to be like God. Were you made to be like Jesus? Yes, yes. All right. And so he says, you're created to be like God. Put it on. All right. Truly righteous and holy. So here's what he's going to say. Kind of this is what some of them were doing. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. We are all we are all part of the same body. And now read verse 26 with me out loud. Say it out loud with me. Um, He says, and and, um, actually, where am I? Yeah, verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. All right, that's good right there. Paul was actually quoting an Old Testament psalm. You can write it down. Look it up for yourself. Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. So, so Paul was preaching to the church at Ephesus with the Old Testament. Isn't that great? He's saying God's been saying this for a long time. This is nothing new. He's saying don't be controlled by this. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. We'll break that down more in the coming weeks. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. A foothold, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But it's basically, you're giving him control. You're giving him a beachfront, so to speak, in your life. Where he's dug in now, and now he's mastering you, rather than you being master over these areas in your life. In the ESV, which is a more literal translation, it actually says this, it's an imperative, which means it's a command be angry he says and do not sin that's 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 an imperative command you're actually commanded to get angry really it takes a little bit of the pressure off feeling like you never can get mad about things, right? That's not what this is all about. You can get angry about things. You are going to get angry about things. But it's at a certain point that you come to a threshold and a decision in the midst of that anger whether you are going to go the route of righteousness or you're going to go the route of the flesh. And the route of the flesh will always lead to sin. So in that, you've got you've to begin to discern this, okay? Um, and by the way... Here's something we'll learn through the weeks. It says in Mark chapter 3 that Jesus Christ was in the temple and he looked out among the people there and he saw the hypocrisy and the hardness of their hearts. And it says this. You can look it up in Mark 3. It says he was livid with anger. Jesus got angry. Jesus got angry about hypocrisy. Jesus got angry about injustice. He got angry about oppression. He got angry whenever people who were weaker were being taken advantage of by the spiritual hypocrites. It says Jesus got angry. He got angry when they defiled the temple. And you remember he turned tables over going, You're not going to turn my father's house into this den of thieves and robbers. Jesus got angry. By the way, Jesus never sinned. So what does that tell us? You can get angry about things and not sin. Jesus was sinless; he was perfect. All right, he never sinned. Anger is like fire. One of the things we're going to look at in one of these uh, one of these weeks is this: we're going to look at how anger can actually be used for something good in your life. Some of the greatest movements that have that have begun in our world, where there are causes, is when somebody got fed up with something and got angry about something and said, "I'm not taking that anymore." right? I'm going to stand up for what's right here, and, and, and I'm, I'm angry about that. Now, you don't have to sin in that, but, but it's like fire. Fire, when it's out of control, can devastate. It can wreck everything around you, but when it's harnessed, right, we can cook ribs with it and good stuff like that <laughs> and bacon and things like that. Amen, right? Okay, and uh, ooh, bacon, and uh, so, so here's the second thing. Write this down. Anger can distort our decision-making, Anger can distort your decision-making whenever it's left unchecked. We get tunnel vision about something when you're mad, right? I've done this, or that's all I can think about. And what I mean in distorting our decision-making is this. We get so mad about something, we then don't see the bigger picture, which means we are going to miss what some of the potential consequences can be. Are you with me, right? You're just mad right now, and I'm going to do something about this, all right, which can cloud our judgment when we get really angry. So we have to be careful when that happens, and God wants to help us. Proverbs chapter 14, another uh, great proverb, says this. In fact, I want to invite you to read it with me out loud. Can we pull that one up there? It says this. Say it with me. Short-tempered people do foolish things. Amen? You know anybody like that? Don't point. All right? How many jobs have been lost because someone got mad and didn't think beyond That immediate anger right there and what I might say might just get me fired. Okay? You don't have to raise your hands there. Okay. How many relationships have been ruined? Are you with me? How many friendships have been ruined? How many acts of domestic violence, let's get serious, have occurred? Because just just blew up. Next thing you know, someone's hitting somebody. Somebody's lost it. You, I mean, it's serious, right? How, how many futures have been impacted when, when we don't know how to deal with anger? Why? Because it clouds our decision-making if we don't know how to manage it properly. And consequences can last with us through our lifetime, through a moment. Kyle and I were talking about this this week. We were thinking of examples of this. And how many of you know who Ray Rice is? If you, if you know football, you know Ray Rice. You don't even have to know football to know about this deal. This is a tragic thing, okay, all right? This guy was at the pinnacle of his career in the NFL, um, and again, you don't have, this made national news. It really highlighted domestic violence and how it happens all the time, and really, um, if you know the story, and the, and the point of this is not to attack Ray Rice or not to defend Ray Rice. I just want to point an example of how something escalated, and the next thing you know, the consequences were just Unbelievable. So he, uh, he ends up uh, getting into an elevator. I don't know, we, none, of, none of us were there. We don't know what happened, but the unexcusable happens. He ends up striking his fiance, knocks her out, and dragging her out of a, an elevator. Um, her name's Janae. It was all captured on video for the entire world to see, played over over and over again, which led to righteous anger. People were angry about that. And let me say, should be. It's wrong, Okay. There's no excuse, no excuse whatsoever. But in that moment of uncontrolled rage and a horrible decision, un- a clouded judgment, he, he, he made a decision that, that truly cost him in a number of ways, if you think about it. Um, he lost respect from, from his team, from people all over the NFL, from people everywhere, probably his family, certainly from, from Janae's family, right? I mean, can you imagine? Lost his job making millions, lost future jobs. Nobody will hire him. Cowboys probably will before long. Um, (laughs) Plus, and I just thought about this this week, plus the guilt that he must carry with him in striking a woman that he says that he loves and how he'll never get that back. Never get that back. Janae forgave him. She said, she said in an interview that I watched this week, said she was very angry, was done, was, you know, very angry, but she chose to forgive. And just because you forgive doesn't mean you have to get with an abuser, by the way, okay? This is, I'm just relaying the story as she told it. She, uh, she said she forgave. She did marry him. But in that interview that I watched that she had with Matt Lauer, you know what she said? She said this, that's not Ray, that's not Ray. She said this, that's not us. You see what I'm saying? Like, it, it just sometimes stuff happens, and then the next thing you know, if you don't know how to control that, you know, um, by the way, there have been some women's advocacy groups that have come along and have actually supported Ray Rice now, not saying what he did was right, but have said he's paid he did, paid the, the price, the consequence. There have been some that have said, give the guy another shot. Is what some have said. By the way, I'm not supporting or or, or anything like that. I'm just saying my point is not to defend or attack Ray Rice's actions. My point is that when we're angry and it's out of control in our life, it is possible to do in a moment what we cannot undo in a lifetime, right? Do you see why this is so important? Do you see why God talks so much about this? Why? Because he loves us. He's trying to wake us up. He's trying to show us that if we don't get this under control, I mean, you, you could be on the other end of that before you know it. Okay? Here's another thing to write down or just to think about. Maybe you don't relate to domestic violence or whatever, but how about this? You get an email. Someone ticks you off in that email. They say some things or whatever. Or you get a text. What is our immediate response that we want to do at that very moment? What do we want to do? Be honest. I want to respond right now. I'm going to let them have it. You see the tunnel vision we get in, right? And I'm going to fire all this stuff off. And then what do we do? We hit the ill-fated send button that shall never be retrieved, right? And then the next day we're like, we reread that and we're like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Right? Do you see what it does, right? When, we, when it clouds our judgment. So we've got we've to get a handle on it. Third thing, anger wears many masks. It wears many masks. Let me say it's masked. It's often unseen. That's why someone can do something horrific. And people can come to neighbors and be like, what did you know about this guy? Was he angry or whatever? They're like, no, it was like the nicest guy in the world. Always had a smile on his face. You, you, have you ever seen those kinds of stories? We have no idea what happened. How in the world did that happen? So it wears masks. We know how to hide it. We're going to see this in a minute in the book of Genesis. Uh, And we'll also look more into it in the coming weeks. And because there could be someone sitting right next to you today or in the vicinity. We don't like to think of that person sitting next to us, okay? But in the vicinity within earshot that maybe has some kind of unresolved anger you have no clue about, but they've become really good at hiding it. But those are the kind of folks that a lot of times they lose it and kind of blow up because they don't know how to deal with it, okay? These are some places we're going in the series. Is it topical? Yes. But I want you to understand this is going to be extremely biblically driven because I'm just going to be straight up with you. Um, I struggle with this. My opinion to you does not matter. I'm on the journey with you. We need an authority in our life. We need God's word to speak in and to say, no, this isn't right. Or this is how you should live. You don't need my opinion. You need God's word to really speak that authority and that love into your life. OK, so that's where we're going. And, and start by asking, God, show me if, I, if I'm struggling here. Show me if I, if I have unresolved anger. Show me if there's some wounds that I've not dealt with that's causing it. And, and don't, don't come into a series like this and be like, God, I'm so glad we're doing this series because I know somebody that needs it, Right. <laughs> You know, let's, let's not do that. Let's just go, okay, forget about I need to do business with God, amen, right? We need to do business, all right? There are some different kinds of anger. I'm going to give you a few more things. Write this down before we get into Genesis very quickly. Ephesians 4.30 uh, Paul is going to speak about some different kinds of anger, and it's important that we understand these. Verse 30, uh, he says, "And do not bring sorrow, and do not bring sorrow to God's holy Spirit by the way you live." Now he's going to begin to describe how we live. Get rid of all let's say it out loud. What? Bitterness, rage. Anger, now stop, we may look at that and be like, aren't those things kind of all the same? Well, in the Greek language, it is very specific. We may say, I'm angry, okay? And we've got one, maybe one word like that or whatever. Well, well, this gets really specific, and, and so the readers of this knew specifically what he's talking about here, okay? Bitterness, rage, anger, say the next part with me, what? Harsh words, that comes out of an angry heart, and slander, as well as all types of, and how does he describe it? Evil behavior. Evil behavior. Now, wait a minute. Didn't he just say, be angry and sin not? Now he's calling it evil behavior? Is he contradicting himself here? No, he's not. Okay? Let me break some words down for you. Write these things down. Uh, there are three actually kinds of things Paul brings up. This, the first one is called thumos. It is a boiling fury. It's a boiling over. This is, I just lost it. Right? Someone slammed a door right at that moment. That was great effect, okay? <laughs> I lost it. <sighs> um, where you blow a gasket, it literally co- it means this, to kind of burn up with smoke, right? You completely lose it. You are out of control. You just kind of projectile over everybody that's in your path. And sometimes people like this... Um, <laughs> these people keep slamming doors man um, sometimes I think it's our preschool area <laughs> kids are slamming doors and uh, where where and sometimes people are like this well this is just the way I am I you don't like it buddy this is the way I am and I'm like okay um, I just let people have it and when when I'm done you know I'm done I put my fist through walls sometimes I put my fist through people Kind of like that road rage incident that we witnessed. And what does Paul say right here? Christians, he says, you got to put that kind of lifestyle away. Can I just say this? The world has seen enough angry Christians. You know, the Bible says that we are to be known. I'll show you in a couple weeks by our kindness and our gentleness. That doesn't mean you have to be weak, by the way. Remember, Jesus got angry. Jesus flipped over tables, but he was kind. He was loving. He was was compassionate with those that really needed to see that, right? He was incredible. Well, he was God, but as he was a man, right? So you've got thumos, and Paul says, put that away. Through the help of the Holy Spirit, start saying, God, help me put that away. Paralogismos is this. It's an inside seething, fuming resentment. You're carrying resentment that comes out of jealousy or begins to manifest itself in jealousy and anger and envy. You're carrying it with you. And then, you know, it's just ongoing. It's the kind of anger that plots revenge. This would be bitterness. Bitterness, okay? That's what we have here. And then you've got this word Orge here, and it's a kind of anger, but it's more of a, it's an overlap of these two. It's a settled conviction about something. It's not necessarily bad or good here. It's something you feel, the reason you get mad about something is you have a conviction about something. And someone crossed that conviction. Now, where we're going to discern in the coming weeks is, is, is it because of self that I'm angry? Or is it, a, am I angry because someone's doing something to hurt someone else? Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's all about us. Well, I, you cut me off, you know, or, or you said that to me. And, and so we're going, to, we're going to learn more about how to deal with that, all right? But here is where we want to go in the final moments here. What is the root of it in our lives? What is the root? What is the root of our anger if we have an anger problem? What are the roots of rage? What makes people out of control? Why is it that you have some people that can be nice at one moment and, man, something happens and it's like they flip out. And next thing you know, they are projecting on everyone else around them. They're angry. They're leaving a a pathway of destruction in an unpredictable kind of way. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. It's always important to understand roots of our beginnings and ourselves, to go back to the beginning, to see what happens here in Genesis chapter 4, where things got started in context. Let me give you context here. It's the beginning, okay? That was insightful, wasn't it? The fall of man has happened. Adam and Eve have chosen sin And they have had, now after the fall of man, they had two sons, Cain and Abel. At least two sons, okay, that are spoken of right here. Just a few things to think about. As I just studied this this week, it just kind of blew my mind a little bit. We are called by God to do two main things. It's summed up two main things in our lives. Love God, right? And what's the other thing, folks? Love people. Love others. You want to boil down the whole law? Love God. Love people. Now, what happens in the very beginning? What are the first two sins? Sin against God. What's the second one? Sin against fellow man. It's really interesting when you look and dig in on this. When when Adam and Eve sinned against God, God asked the very first question to man. And what was the question? Where are you? Did God know where he was? Yes. He wanted Adam to realize how far away he had gone from him. He was hiding. Okay. The second time there's sin that is mentioned here. All right. he He says to Cain... Why are you so angry? The third question is, where is your brother? Isn't it interesting that anger is sandwiched between these two questions, right? Because we're going to see this anger here and how it comes out. Uh, Where are you in relation to me? And where are you in relation to your fellow man? This is powerful when you start really digging in. By the way, if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first five deal with your relationship vertically. The the, the next five deal with your relationship horizontally with your fellow man. Don't you love how God's word fits together? I love it. Okay? This is so powerful. All right? So in Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 2, Adam and Eve have, have sons when they grew up. So, okay, they're older here. Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. There were sacrifices already that were t- happening here. The Lord accepted Abel in his gift, but he did not accept Cain in his gift. Now, it wasn't because, because God just doesn't like fruit, okay? That's not it. It was the the... The faith that was involved in the offering. The motive. Cain brought leftovers. In fact, if he would have brought his best, it's called our first fruits offering. Right? But he brought leftovers. His motive was just kind of greed. All this. Abel, in faith, brought God his very best. Okay? The Lord accepted Abel in his gift, but he did not accept Cain in his gift. This made Cain, what does it say, church? Very angry. Very angry and he looked dejected. Abel gave his best. Cain gave leftovers not in faith. God points it out as God will always do when we don't act in faith. He gently comes along us and he points out our sin and he says, hey, this isn't right. That's what the Holy Spirit's work is in our life. The Hebrew word for anger here basically is a flaring of the nostrils. So he's snorting around, stomping around, angry about the way that God has treated him. Did Abel do anything to him? Abel's just doing what's right. So now he's going to project his anger on someone that didn't do anything. Has that ever happened in your household? It has in mine. I've been the one that's projected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look dejected? He's like going, why are you angry? And if anything, what God's point could be here, and I'm just saying because we know God gets angry God, because God is God and sovereign, could say, why are you angry? I should be the one who's angry. But I'm not. I'm trying to help you, Cain. I'm trying to speak into your life. Cain's burning with anger about his brother and God does what he always does when we have heart problems. He comes and gently confronts us to give us an opportunity to get our sin right. And that's what he's doing right here. He says, why are you angry? Did God know why he was angry? Is God like in the dark and looking for some revelation from Cain? No, he wants Cain to figure out why he's angry. That's how he does it. He asks these questions to get us asking questions too. Maybe some of you are angry and you don't even know why. And God's question to you today may be, why are you so angry? I want you to figure it out because I want to do some work in your life to bring you some peace in your life. I love you. I want to set you free from this. But you're going to have to get honest. He wanted Cain to get honest. Get honest with yourself. Get honest with God. Get honest with other people. We want you to get honest with other people. We want you to get in a life group with other people as we carry this out this w- these seven weeks because we need each other. We need to know we're not alone when we have problems like this. We need to know that there's a safe place to be able to share with others that aren't going to judge us, that we're actually going to be able to say, I've got a problem with this, and then someone else in that group's going to go, I do too. Let's help each other, right? So get in a group. If you've not gotten in a group, it's not too late. Look what God says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. He's giving him a chance right here. Look, if, you, if you'll come to me in faith, it's going to be okay. But if you refuse, and let this speak to you, if you refuse to do what is right, here's the warning. Watch out. Watch out. He says, sin is crouching at the door eager to control you. But you, you must subdue it and be its master. This God of love, this God of mercy says, if you'll do what's right, Cain, no problem here. Just repent. I'll forgive you in this. We'll get right. You know, nobody's going to be harmed here. But if you don't, then you need to watch out because sin upon sin is going to lead to more sin and it's going to get bigger and it's crouching at your door. That word crouching is this. It's like a predator waiting to pounce on you. Does that sound like a roaring lion? Sounds like one to me right? Our enemy, Satan, a roaring lion crouching at the door, eager to master us. God always gives us a door of escape when we are tempted. The Bible makes it clear. There's no temptation that, is, that has come before you that is not common to everyone. We have the opportunity where God provides a way of escape. He provides Cain a way of escape. So, so a lot of times I just thought he got mad. The next thing you know, he's murdering Abel. But as I looked at this, you know what? I think some time passed. I think he seethed a little about this. He doesn't just go right out and kill his brother. He had time, what that also tells me, to get this under control and to heed God's warning. But his pride starts kicking in. He's snorting around, right? Nostrils are flaring. He starts wearing a mask. I imagine Abel at some point was like, hey, are we okay? Yeah, we're good. And he's really just angry in his heart. Maybe he had a big smile on his face. Hey, are we okay? I've noticed since we went to worship the other day, and I presented my offering, and you've just look, you've been different. What's going on? Are, are we okay? I'm not angry, right? We know how to wear the mask. One day, so that, that just shows me there was time. One day, I don't know how long. We don't know how long he seethed. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, he's wearing a mask, hey, let's go out into the fields. I bet Abel was like, oh, cool, everything's good. All right, we're going to go hunting. We're going to go do something cool. We're going to shoot some hoops with his watermelons or something. I don't know. Whatever we're going to do, something out in the field. But look, he has another motive. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. I was thinking about that this week. As a parent, many of your parents, can you imagine the heartbreak that Adam and Eve must have felt? for a couple of reasons one they not only lost one son that day they lost two because Cain was banished God in his mercy did not kill him at that point but he banished him so they lost two sons there and I also thought of Adam and Eve and the the lament they must have felt in knowing that they were the ones that introduced sin into the world and look at what it did to the next generation Moms and dads, what does that say to us? We better get a control on this. There are future generations that are counting on it. Your kids. You got to break that curse by God's power in this series. Amen? God, I don't want this to carry on in my kids. I don't want to see this carry on. I mean, I just was thinking about this. Afterward, the Lord says this. So he has time to repent. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? Notice that God's going to like, I want you to acknowledge he was a human. Where is Abel? Not just, I mean, I'm giving you a name. Where is he? First, he asked Adam, where are you? Now, where are you in relation to your brother is what he's saying to Cain. Now, this is the first time that a child ever said to their parent after they did something. What does he say next? I don't know. Have you ever experienced that? Why did you do that? I don't know. You know, I've done that a million times. But he says, I don't know. Cain responded, more sin is happening. He's covering up sin, okay? And now he's lying. Sin begets more sin. Am I my brother's guardian or keeper? He's asking this question. And you know what you're going to find right here through the rest of God's word? The answer to that question is what? Yes. Yes, we are. We are each other's keeper. We're supposed to have each other's back. We're supposed to be in each other's lives. We're supposed to have accountability with one another and love each other and be able to speak truth. Wouldn't it have been great if if Abel would have been able to talk to Cain and say, Brother, I love you, man. I'm sorry. Let me help you. You know, but he clammed up. Next thing you know, it's just leading to terrible stuff. What have you done? Listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Write this down. What was the root cause of this sinful anger? All right. And I thought about this and there's there's other things, no doubt. But this one really came to my mind. Okay. I think fear is definitely a part of it. We'll probably hit that in a couple of weeks. But here is what I really think. If you really start thinking, what is the root cause of sinful anger? Pride. Pride. Ego. Self-importance. When we start kind of feeling like someone's kind of, you know, someone cut me off there. Who who do they think they are? You know, who do they think they are? If you're struggling with an anger problem, you can most likely count on the fact that you, you probably also have a pride problem. That needs to be dealt with with God. God opposes the proud. Does it say that? That's not me. I'm just I'm telling you scriptures today but gives grace to the humble. If you have an anger problem, you most likely have an ego pride problem. All right, here's a couple of things to write down. What what was some of this, some things I see? Cain's comparison led to his anger. He started comparing his, his action with his brother's action. He started looking. He took his eyes off of his relationship with God, doing business with God, and it was more like, Oh, I guess you think you're better than me because you brought in, a, a, you know, the best lamb. He started projecting on someone. Abel didn't even do anything wrong. But the next thing you know, he's projecting on him. Comparison. The devil loves it when we compare. We start thinking about what everyone else is doing. We get our eyes off of the prize, our eyes off of God. And, and, and God is saying, Cain, this isn't about Abel. This is about you. You got the problem. If you just do what's right, and we wouldn't even be in this place, envy starts creeping in when you've got that unresolved pride when and, and it starts envy starts creeping in, jealousy starts creeping in, uh, greed, materialism, it creeps in, sin is crouching at your door, waiting to master you before you know it we're getting angry because. Maybe we don't have like what someone else has and we start getting jealous of that, you know, and, and, and we carry this kind of bitterness in our heart. We can start feeling like maybe God's holding out on me. That's kind of what was going on between Cain and Abel. Cain didn't have the kind of connection and response from God that his younger brother got. God also, uh, Cain also had this place of position. He was the older brother. And he's like, don't you realize, God, I have status here. That was big in their culture. And now my, mother, my younger brother, sometimes, and God, all throughout scripture will show that status means nothing to God. Let me tell you what means everything to God. Coming to him in faith. He'll show us throughout the entirety of the Bible that that's what matters. Write this down. Cain's perceived rejection made him angry. He, he perceived he was being rejected by God God gave him an opportunity to repent. God said, do what's right. Our relationship will be okay. I'm a forgiving God. But, but here's what I think happened. He believed that God rejected him. He didn't understand that there's forgiveness. So now he's carrying this identity of shame. Now he's carrying this identity of being rejected. And maybe that's at the root of why you're angry. You feel rejected by someone. Whether it was a parent, whether it's a sibling, whether it's someone in the church, someone wherever, you're carrying probably some kind of identity of rejection. And we start getting hypersensitive. Anytime somebody does some kind of maybe something that maybe is a legitimate offense, instead of just forgiving that, we're like, our ego puffs up. We're like, who do you think you are? Right? Don't we do that? We do that. We get angry and our anger often... It's taken out on others. We get really sensitive, all right? So here's how I want to close this right now. I want to pray with you, okay? But here's the thing we all need to remember. An angry person, if you're struggling with anger, you most likely have some kind of wound that's in your life that hasn't been dealt with. And here's the beautiful thing, folks. We have a God that loves you so much that wants to bring his healing into your life. And I'm just going to tell you right now, he's the only one that can do it. There's nothing I can say that's going to fix it. Only God, through his supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, can bring the healing to whatever the hurt is that you've experienced. Is it a real hurt? Yep. But you've got to be willing to let God begin to heal it. Come to him in faith. What we hope you'll discover is that God can and has delivered people from roots of rage that are destroying their lives If you don't get a handle on this, it's going to impact the generations coming up behind you and families behind you just like it did with Cain and Abel. I can begin to let my pride go when I realize this, that in Jesus Christ, when my identity is understood in Jesus Christ, I don't need to be prideful. My value is in Jesus, not what someone else does or doesn't do to me. Are you following me there? Jesus gives you your value. You, here's what I want to say. You are accepted. Because he became condemned for you. He took your rejection. So you could be accepted by God. And now you come to him in faith. You're accepted into his kingdom. You come to him in faith like Abel came to him in faith. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, I want you to understand how much He loves you. That God wants to offer you eternal life. I want to just pray with you right now. Can we pray? Speaking primarily here today to Christians, but those of you who have never trusted Christ, that is the beginning point of hope in our life. Is that Jesus is the only one who can reconcile us to God so that we experience his forgiveness that makes it possible for us to forgive others when they hurt us. So if you've never trusted Jesus, you don't have to walk down this aisle. You don't have to raise your hand before me or anything like that. It's okay if you do that. Right where you're seated, if you've never trusted Jesus, he came for you. And you can just call on him in faith and say, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I need you in my life. I don't have all the answers, God. I'm humbling myself before you. And I just ask you to forgive me. and Teach me how to forgive others. Jesus, would you save me today? Would you heal the wounds in my life? Some of you are Christians today. But there's an anger that has been seething within you need to release that because sin is crouching at your door. Maybe it's already pounced. For some of you, you're dealing with a sinful anger and you've been hurting yourself. You've been hurting other people. It's invaded your heart But we serve a God of grace that loves us and wants to forgive us. God is saying, why are you so angry? Come to me right now. I want to heal you. Come to me. I want to wrap my arms around you. Don't refuse him. Come to him in faith and say, Daddy, I'm here. I need you. Help me understand why I'm angry. Help me get to the root of my rage, God. I want to grow to be more like Jesus. I don't want to leave a a path of just destruction because I didn't deal with it. Lord Jesus, would you help us today? If you just say, Pastor Barb, would you just pray for me today? I just want to get honest. I want to get honest in this series. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to call any names. I'm, nobody else looking around. But would you pray with me, Pastor Rock? Would you just lift your hands today? I want to pray for you today. Just lift them up. Be honest. Be honest. Say, God, I've, I've got a problem with this. Would you pray with me? God bless you. God bless you. I see many, many hands. Others, I want to be praying with you. Father, help us through your grace to receive it today. These that have raised their hands is a great step of honesty. Wanting to get well in this area, would you begin to work in their life supernaturally? It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said.